Would you like an easy way to sanctify your day? Yes. I don't have one, but I do have the Liturgy of the Hours. Listen Listen in in to to find find out more. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost. With Joseph and Crystal Gruber. A podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So you say it's not an easy way. No, it's not. It's a relatively simple way. No. Have you seen a breviary? I love the breviary. You're right. It's not simple either. Yeah. So let's take a half dozen steps back. Good, good. Why do we want to sanctify our day? Well, I think if we want to try to be holy, Mm -hmm. sanctifying our day helps us sanctify our lives. That seems to track. Do we want to be holy, though? I want to go to heaven. And I think if I am striving for holiness in this life, I'm actually bringing heavenly realities into this life, which is twofold beneficial. One is it allows for a foretaste of heaven for myself and for those around me, God willing. And two, when I die, it will be easier to choose heaven. I think we need to do a deeper dive into this heaven thing because I think a lot of people have this idea of heaven as a place they want to go to when they die, period, hard stop. And they're like, well, I'll suffer through anything now as long as I can be in heaven later. And it's, it's, um, it's a weird kind of way to look at it because heaven is union with God, right? Yeah. And that can happen anywhere, anytime. In, right. Even in the midst of tremendous suffering, in we can have union with God in ways that are, are beautiful, that are beautiful. Yeah. And so I knew what you were saying because we've talked about this off camera, as it were. <laughs> but that, that phrase, I think, trips a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are people who will go through their life thinking, well, if I just put one more foot in front of the other one, Maybe someday I'll be rewarded. And it's it's like commendable on one hand, but it's uh, an impoverished view on the other. Because the, the point of the, the liturgy of the Catholic Church, these liturgical actions, is that heaven touches earth, that we unite ourselves to God through our prayer, through our right worship. And that is a foretaste of heaven. That is, that uh, I mean, a foretaste is a taste, right? Like, I, just trying to imagine, like, what's a taste before a taste? I mean, it, 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 it's either a taste of heaven or it isn't, right? Yeah. Um, it may not be the entire banquet yet, but it, it's certainly an experience of and a participation in union with God and the communion of the saints. And I think that's why we wanted to talk about the Liturgy of the Hours today, because I think that's what we long for. Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) It's what I long for anyways. And the liturgy of the hours has felt like a, it feels a little counterintuitive sometimes to being 
uh, a place of peace and joy and union with the Lord. Yeah, and for so now let's start defining a couple of terms at least. So when we say liturgy, uh, apparently in the Greek, liturgy used to mean like a public work, um, and it's come to mean uh, through you know centuries of usage uh, by the Catholic Church. It's come to mean public worship, um, but but that term seems to be a little bit misleading, right? Like it's it's worship made in public, but what had made it public is that it was first the the relationship of Jesus Christ to the Father, that is right worship. Like, what is the most fitting way to honor God the Father? Well, it's by an outpouring of divine love back to him, and the one who does that is Jesus Christ. So the the only real right worship is that relationship of love from Son to Father. And so all liturgical action is in some way a participation in that divine conversation, that intimacy between Father and Son effected in part by the Holy Spirit. And so when we're talking about liturgical actions of the church, we're talking about ways to enter into that conversation between Son and Father, to enter into the family dialogue. And I think this is an absolutely critical point to understanding the Liturgy of the Hours, because there aren't um, the actions that we associate with liturgy because of mass and because of uh, the sacraments, right? We're very familiar with liturgical activity, right? Um, But to say, like, no, it's, it's also that dialogue, and we enter into that dialogue in prayer, and we enter into that prayer uh, most perfectly in the prayer of the mass, but one step removed from that is this thing that now we can start defining is the liturgy of the hours. And by hours, do you mean that it takes hours and hours and hours to pray? No. <laughs> that was a question you knew the answer to. It was. I could hear it in the tone of your voice. You could. If you listen to our vulnerability podcast, you know you're not supposed to do that. Joseph, would you tell us about what the hours part of Liturgy of the Hours means? Yeah. So we're, we're familiar with a 24-hour day, and I think people like the idea of those hours. Uh, but the way that we experience time as humans is, you know, we, we tend to have a morning and a midday and an evening and a nighttime, right? And And we can say, like, this is when our life is happening is in these kinds of moments that stretch over the course of several of those 24 hour hours. Um, And so with the liturgy of the hours is saying, here are prayers to be said in these different spans of time that we recognize, like I'm I'm kind of a different person early in the morning from, you know, mid afternoon. I'm sleepy in both of those times, but different from evening and nighttime when I tend to wake up quite a bit, right? Uh, I'm a different person. I'm responding to life in a different way. Like my body is responding to the quality of light, to the amount of time I've been active. Um, And to say, well, let's sanctify these different times by stopping and praying 
and entering into a dialogue with God using the words that the church has given us, which the church has appropriated from ancient Israel. This is why we did a podcast on the Psalms, because the Liturgy of the Hours, the backbone of the Liturgy of the Hours is... The The Psalms. Yeah. Um, So when we're talking about sanctifying our day... It's a slightly more granular way to look at our day to say, you know, no, my, my day is made up of uh, morning. Uh, maybe if I want to be a little bit more fine-tuned, I might say late morning, noonish, and afternoon, uh, and then evening, and then and then nighttime. And the church says, yeah, you know what, that, that, that's true. Uh, those are the times, and here are prayers that you could say each and every day, um, according to a four-week cycle, that would sanctify these times, if you like. And and this is really neat because priests and religious, it's part of their call to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, so they ought to be praying it all, all of the hours every day. And, and Or at least five of them, if they're just diocesan priests, yeah. And so the whole, the whole church all around the world, there's... Probably at any given moment, a priest or a religious person or whole communities or whole community praying these prayers. And so as lay people, when we enter into the liturgy of the hours, we're entering into a prayer of the church, um, much like what happens when we go to mass. Um, and, and that's something that has always been really cool to me about the, I mean, that's part of the reason why I converted to Catholicism. I loved the universality of the church, of the Catholic church, and and to see that the Liturgy of the Hours is a, a window into the universal church, the church of in, that's all over the world, and to be able to pray with other people the same prayers is just really neat, in my opinion. Yeah, the, it, it's a... It's a profound gift to the human person made by God through his church for us to have something to fall back on, to be formed by, and to participate in. And this is, uh, at some point or another, we're going to talk about this, so I'll bring it up now. If we want to drop it for a bit, we may. Um, I grew up Catholic. I didn't know how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours until my early 20s, and even then I didn't have the wherewithal to keep it up with any kind of regular devotional uh, assiduousness, right? And so there's this ideal sort of uh, approach to the Liturgy of the Hours, like, oh, we can talk about it in these grand ways. But when we look at it practically, it's not shared as an ideal or shared much at all with the lay faithful that's one of the reasons we're doing a podcast. I was looking at a few other Catholic podcasts recently and seen that actually a few of them have been touching on the Liturgy of the Hours. I feel like there's that probably means something that we're all saying this is something we should be turning to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk about it in the ideal terms, but very practically, it's apparently a tough enough thing that priests and religious haven't been sharing it very openly and uh, very invitingly. And that's a curious thing. And I I think this is a reason why we're recording this episode. Like we, we think it is a good and we've had to sort of come to it on our own. And 
maybe our listeners would like to be invited into it. Um, and and with that, um, maybe we can share a couple practical ways that we have been incorporating the liturgy of the hours into our lives. But before we do that, to say, I don't know why it isn't more widely shared, right? Like this is this is the piece that I think I should say. I don't know why it's sort of fallen into disuse in the lay faithful. I'm very confused by that because the more that I've learned about it, the more I'm like, this This is a valuable thing. This gives structure to my day. If I want to know if I have a prayer life or not, this, this gives me something to pray about multiple times a day. Um, I can't say that I don't know how to pray if I know about the liturgy of the hours because I always have something that I can turn to that is a well that doesn't run dry, that will provide fodder, that will, in one way, shape, or form, express me better than I express myself. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a bit of a mystery about why it's fallen into disuse. And I, I just I feel like it's good to name it because I, I have no good response for it. I, I read Sacrosanctum Concilium years ago, and it talked about the, the divine office, the liturgy of the hours. Those, use, those are used pretty much synonymously. And it talked about it's a great good thing and how pastors should uh, see to it that the lay faithful can pray, you know, vespers in the church as a community and and morning prayer as a community. And I've read that. I'm like, what happened? And I don't know. Someday, I hope I find out. And I hope it's not as scandalous as I'm afraid it is. Um but it also might just be that people thought it would be too much trouble for other people, too much to ask from other people to say, takes, take time and, and really pray. Well, and I think we've found that it's worth doing, but the discipline of doing it daily continues to be a struggle. And we're aiming for two hours. Well, yeah. you're maybe th- aiming for three. But, and so that's an interesting piece of the puzzle like well and and that does make me wonder although i I don't want to go too far down this road because it it may be that a lot of priests just haven't been praying the liturgy of the hours regularly and so they're not going to talk about things that they're not doing well oh i hope not i hope that isn't the answer it would make sense but i also hope it's not the case i hope that they've been able to be enriched by it and that there's something else going on but it's just a weird thing. Well, I mean, I there's something real to the challenge of inviting people into a 12-minute part of your day or an eight-minute part of your day um, that I think is real. And I, and I think we have been finding that people don't teach other people. Like there's not a culture of teaching people how to pray in general. And so – and when I think about teaching people how to pray – the liturgy of the hours isn't usually the first thing that comes to my mind, although maybe it should be. It is now becoming more of a first thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. I was meeting with a group of men some weeks ago, and all of them are older than I am. And I asked them if they knew about the liturgy of the hours or how to pray it, and they didn't know how to pray it. And so I, I taught them as best I could, but yeah, it, it just totally skipped generations of people, generations of Catholics. All right, so. So we should talk a little bit more about the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah. So first of all, 
due to technology, you can get access to the Liturgy of the Hours by a free app. Yeah. So previously, you would have to buy either the shorter book of Christian prayer, if you were just going to try to get into morning prayer and evening prayer, or the book of Christian prayer, if you were trying to pray a few more of the hours. The shorter book of Christian prayer might also have had night prayer in it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, And then if you really wanted to get into the Liturgy of the Hours, you'd have to buy the four-volume breviary that had all of the... uh, um, church father readings for all of the different feasts and all of the different options and all of the different calendar configurations. And so it was an investment, right? So that that was something, right? To to say I'm going to pray the... You, you didn't just buy uh, the four-part breviary on a whim. Yeah. You know, it was expensive and complicated and so seminarians and priests and religious would have these because they were like, we're making this commitment. So I think that might have been a hindrance for people, that with the advent of technology, new technology, books, books are a technological innovation, by the by. We forget that. They're, they're an astounding piece of technology. And I think that's actually a really important point, that, that it's easy for us to say, you know, why don't we do this together more when... You have an app on your phone, but that didn't exist even 10 years ago. Yeah. So something that was written 50 years ago, but wasn't easily applicable, would have been challenging to implement. And maybe and that is real. one of the bigger things is there was a, a huge initial investment at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, initial investment at the beginning is redundant. My apologies, audience. So if you want to pray it, there is an application. Um, there are probably several applications you could use. The one that I've been using is called iBrevery. Um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, but you can download the, the uh, Liturgy of the Hours for that day, each day. And so uh, it doesn't retain uh, from days prior. It's just each day. I guess that's probably how they get the licensing for it. And then there are essentially five hours to pray. Um, one of them can be split into three, so it gets a little bit. So it's seven possible ones. But there's morning prayer and evening prayer; those are the major ones. And then another major one that people would be praying would be midday prayer, and another one is night prayer. And then there's the office of readings. The office of readings is cool. Uh, for anyone who is a Facebook friend of mine or uh, follows me on Instagram for a couple of months, I would pray Office of Readings every day and pull out a little quote from it and pair it with a pretty picture and write a little reflection based on it. And then I fell out of the habit one day, and then the next day I didn't do it as well, and then the whole habit was destroyed. <laughs> but for a few months, I was posting regularly a little bit of uh, a reflection based on the Office of Readings. And the Office of Readings is cool because the other ones are bounded in time more so. So in morning prayer, you should pray it in the morning. Evening prayer, you should pray it in the evening. Night prayer, you should pray before you go to sleep. Um, but the Office of Readings, you could pray that anytime. And I found um, there was something kind of freeing in that. 
So if I miss praying it in the morning, I could come back to it that afternoon or that evening. Um, so I felt like my commitment was low and that's for time. A, also a really, I mean, just like practically, if, if you want to get started on participating in the liturgy, the hours, the office of readings can be a good place to start for exactly that reason. It doesn't, it's not time bound. Um, and then another way to get started is to choose one of the hours, maybe even because it's time bound and it fits into your schedule or your routine. So something that when Joseph and I have a good rhythm going on of getting up before the kids, we'll both sit down with a cup of coffee and pray morning prayer together. Um, and as long as we're both sitting down, not with kids around <laughs> and a cup of coffee, we will pray morning prayer together. Um, and I think sometimes if just one of us is there, then we'll pray it you know, on our own. And then again, if we're going to bed at the same time, we'll pray night prayer together. Um yeah, I think as a couple, this has been a really interesting thing because you've expressed a desire to pray more with me. And I don't always know what to do. And so to have something to fall back on, we're like, oh, I know what to do. I am the leader. I say these prayers. I, you know, I'm the one who initiates the antiphon and initiates the psalm. Uh, I can do this. And so it puts us in a kind of nice relationship in our prayer. Um, and it's not de- demanding upon me to, to be, you know, endlessly inventive about praying free form or something like that. I think the other thing is that I, I think I've at least found that when we do have a more, I don't know, free form time that we're praying together, it's often inspired by, the Psalms because those have been just in our heads, in my head, um, and, and in particular in my head with you, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Another feature of night prayer that I find really very helpful is that they build in time for an examination of conscience. And I think, you know, that was something that I was having trouble habituating myself into doing. But if I prayed night prayer with you, it was it's built in, it's built in. Right after the opening prayer is an examination of conscience. Yeah, I would say, I mean, there was a season in my life before Joseph and I got married. And then also when we, at the beginning of our marriage, where we just prayed nightmare prayer. It's short. It takes literally like, I think, seven or eight minutes. Um, So even when we're pretty tired, we can remind each other, like, this this is going to take seven or eight minutes. It's really, okay, we can do this. (laughs) Um, And then that it has that examination of conscience is just really beautiful as a lay person to have a way to connect with the the church in a larger way, but then also to be examining my own conscience more routinely. And this gift. is something that we, from time to time, will go above and beyond and we'll use a little bit of that space that we carved out for night prayer to also examine our relationship and to see if there's anything we need to apologize for from the past day and anything that we can be seeking forgiveness for. And then it's also a time where we'll sometimes have more time just for interceding for other things in addition to what um, is in the intercessions. Well, I guess morning prayer we do that. Or yeah. So maybe, but yeah. So there's there's a, not, a nice space there for um, expanding or contracting, especially as a couple, but even as a single person. Yeah, so it's something... I initially learned how to pray night prayer because one of my teammates 
who was also my apartment mate, invited me to pray night prayer with him each night. And I remember I didn't get along very well with that teammate at that time, uh, but this was something for us to come together and to do as, uh, as brothers, and it was something that was helpful in healing our relationship more. Like, we, we knew it was a good to do, and we knew it was a good to do together. Um, and even when we weren't on the same page about other things, this was something that would literally get us back on the same page because we would be reading from the same uh, book of Christian prayer to pray night prayer. Another element of night prayer that I find really helpful is that the other hours of the day are on a four-week cycle. Uh, so over the course of four weeks, if you're praying all of the hours, you will have prayed all 150 psalms. Night prayer is on a one-week cycle. And so every Monday night, it's the same. Every Tuesday night, it's the same. Every Wednesday night, it's the same. Um, and that's helpful, too, for becoming more familiar with that particular hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in terms of the breviary, having a having a breviary can be a really enjoyable thing if you like having a physical book. Although I think, I know for me, I was taught how to use the breviary by people who were using breviaries. And that's a really helpful because <laughs> yeah. there's just a lot of ribbons and page flipping and it can be kind of overwhelming and you can get lost. And yeah, I was not taught how to use a breviary or how to use the ribbons. And so having I breviary has been a lifesaver in the sense that it's made praying the Liturgy of the Hours practical for me. Mm-hmm. And I think having been praying some of the hours using I breviary, I, I think I would be a little bit more familiar with figuring out the ribbons in uh, the Book of Christian Prayer and figuring that out. So as a as an initial investment, it's a free app, and there isn't all that much flipping around. It's laid out very nicely for us. There are a lot of other things that could be said about the Liturgy of the Hours, the place of hymnody in it, um, that it actually has built-in space to be singing good Catholic Christian hymns. Um, so if you're like, I wish I was singing more Catholic-y songs, uh, <laughs> maybe you wanted to pray the Liturgy of the Hours more. Um, but I think the, the fact that it's a definite structure, the fact that there are definite times to be praying these, the fact that other people are praying them, and then most ultimately is that we're, we're taking the prayers that Jesus has prayed, we're taking the Psalms, and we are praying them alongside him. We, we started the episode talking about how we have a desire for heaven, we have a desire for union, to know and to be known, right? And Jesus knows us and is expressing what's in our hearts better than we are. And when we, we unite with him, we are actually becoming more of who we are meant to be. And so the, this is not a reason to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, to be formed by it. It is a happy effect of it, and it is one that we can look at and say, well, of course we would be changed for the better for it. Uh, but it's something worth pointing out that we are becoming conformed to Christ in this prayer. We're doing it for the greater glory of God, right? God is the one who is most worthy of worship. 
um, that that is what it is to be God. There is no other thing that is worth more our time, more our adoration. When we do a thing that helps us worship him better. We become better. Which is pretty great. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't want to... There, there are all of these happy accidents, right? Like, if I pray this prayer with other people, it will unite me to them more. If I pray this prayer, I will become a better person. My heart will be more rightly ordered. Those are good things. It would be uh, misleading of me, though, to not really emphasize that the point of the Psalms, the point of the Psalter, the point of the Liturgy of the Hours is to orient our life, our existence, toward our origin and our end, who is the Almighty God. And that all other things will only take on their proper hue in the light of him who made us. And so to keep on referring our lives back to him, it makes sense. It, it, I mean, we, we say this at Mass, it is right and just to give you thanks and praise to give him thanks and praise. It's like, yeah, it is right. It is just. It also makes us righteous. It also justifies us to do so. Um, But we do it primarily because it is right and just. So that's the Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah. Uh, Again, we'll put a link to iBrievery, and maybe maybe we'll also toss in a few links to where you can buy... uh, Actual breveries. Actual breveries, yeah. And then, yeah, we'd love to hear if you guys start praying it, how you find it. And I think that's all we've got to say about the Liturgy of the Hours right now. All right. Shall I close this in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. And thank you for um, the gift of the liturgy that helps us to worship you through how your son has taught us to worship you. I pray that you would help us to do that better um, and through participating in the liturgy of the hours more as we are able. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. 